Howdy, folks. Today, I've got with me my brother in Christ down here in El Paso, Scott Hamilton, and we're going to be talking about the eldership. And part of the reason we're going to be talking about that is Scott desires to be an elder. So we're going to start off right away so that everybody out there can know what the qualifications of an elder are. In 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7, this is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, and just kind of a side point, a bishop, a pastor, elder, shepherd, all the same thing. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how should he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride he fall into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them that are without, lest he fall into reproach and snare of the devil. And Paul also write, wrote qualifications to Titus. They're very similar, but there's just slight differences. And Titus 1, 5 through 9, For this cause left thy thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city, as I had appointed thee. Let me just make a quick note here. Sometimes people make the mistake and they think that an eldership ought to be over a city. Well, the fact is there was a congregation in a city, not 20 congregations in a city. And it is in every assembly, Acts 14, 23, when they had ordained them elders in every church. That word church means assembly. It's a local body. It says he prayed on them with fasting, commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. So back to this point with that little side uh, thought in mind. He says in Titus 1.6, If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. For a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convince the gainsayers. So there are the qualifications of elders. Elders are the overseers. In Hebrews 13, 7, remember them which have rule over you, have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation, and they are to be obeyed. Hebrews 13, 17, obey them that have the rule over you. Submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable to you. We will talk about other scriptures, I'm sure, as we go by. I know Scott's going to bring up 1 Peter 5, so we'll hold on, on that. But just keep in mind, as you look at these qualifications, and I have a whole series of lessons on the eldership. It's on wordsoftruth.net under Bible study materials, and there's lessons about every qualification. Most of the qualifications of an elder are things expected of all Christians, of male and female. All are to be blameless. We ought to all, at some degree, be able to teach other people. You know, there's that time when you ought to be teachers, Hebrews 5, 12 through 14, so forth and so on. The differences are not all Christians are expected to be mature. There are some that might be immature. Uh, so the novice qualification, marriage, you don't have to be married uh, to get to heaven. Therefore, of course, a connection to that. You do not have to have children uh, to, to get to heaven. But, you know, as you look at the rest of the qualifications of an elder, you run them down the line. They all fit for Christians. So with all that in mind, 
Uh, we're going to start talking to Scott. We're just going to have a little conversation. It's going to be Bible-based. I hope you enjoy it. We're going to start off with the first question. Scott, my brother, why do you want to be an elder? Such a, for me, uh, a loaded question, right? Um, because there's, when I think about why I want to be an elder, there's a lot of reasons. And when I was thinking through that question um, in preparation for this, um, I want to go ahead and take us a, a, a passage that I think gets brought up often here. Um, I don't know, recall too much on the podcast, but uh, Matthew um, chapter 25. <clears throat> um, I'll start. I'm going to start at verse 14. I'm going to read down through 30. Um, there's certain pieces of it, but just to get the whole context, um, says um, beginning of verse 14: For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling in a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, another two, and to another one. And to every man according to his several ability. And straightway took his journey. And then he had received the five talents. Um, and he that had received the five talents and uh, went and traded with the same and made them another five talents. And likewise, he that hath received two, he also gained another two. But he that hath received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that hath received five talents came and, and brought another five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, well, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that hath received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee, and thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went, and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is mine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I soweth not, and gathereth where I have not strawed. Thou, thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to thy the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance, but from him that... Go ahead. <laughs> But from him that hath not shown, uh, that hath not, shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When I think through that um, parable of the talents, and really, you know, they're all given the talent according to their ability. I think the one that stands out to me here is not measuring your talent, more so what you do with it. And how he buried the talent. You know, I, I think through what I'm capable of through self-examination. Um, and I want to make sure that I don't do the same. That I don't take however much talent that I have been given. Um, and I bury it. And I don't use it. Um, so that's part of it. Um, I just want to make sure that I am, you know, doing what God has given me. And doing what he therefore expects of me. Um, and then second part to that, 
Um, I want to look at the contrast, um, really, in uh, Matthew chapter 23, um, talking about the Pharisees. And I guess before I get into that, um, to talk a little bit about myself, um, in my conversion um, and, and going through and becoming a Christian, examining what I struggled with and what I had to change, um, pride was probably and still continues to be to an extent um, something that I struggle with. Um, so I spend a lot of my time in study and in practice making sure that I maintain my awareness of that um, and keep that in check, right? Um, so when I look at the contrast and really how the end of the context um, sums it all up, uh, Matthew 23, 1 through 12 says, Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that uh, observe and do, but do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders. But they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all of their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. And and loved the uppermost rooms as at feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets and to be called of men rabbi rabbi but be not ye called rabbi for one is your master even christ and all ye are brethren and call no man your father upon the earth for one is your father which is in heaven neither be ye called master for one is your master even christ but the, the verse that i want to focus in on here is uh, verse 11 says but he that is greatest among you shall be your servant and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted when i think about what i can do you know the for, for as previously um a, a person that had a lot of aspiration that had a lot of drive when I think about my translation into Christ and putting on the correct conduct in conversation, my new aspiration is how can I serve my brethren to the best of my ability and to the best of, you know, of what they need and what will support them the most. Um, so really when I examine that through, like it's hard for me to say, I, like of course absolutely i want to be an elder i do and to me there is no question um that desire of the bishop i i want it almost purely just because that's the best thing that i can do to help the brethren of of my congregation yeah the the word desire and the way that paul used it in first timothy 3 and verse 1 is to reach out for. Mm -hmm. uh, I think covet is part of the definition. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, so what I'm hearing you say is, I'm hearing you say, I have an ability to lead, a desire to serve. I don't want to bury that. Yes. When I listen to you from a standpoint of an evangelist to whom, you know, First Timothy 3 and Titus 1 applies, of course, you know, because I've told you this, I long to put in place a truly qualified eldership. Uh, I've seen elders all over the world, and normally they don't fit 
any more than two or three of the qualifications. <laughs> right. And it's like they've been put in the office of an elder sometimes because they're financially well off and people see that as successful or they manage a business. Well, managing a business and taking care of souls isn't the same thing. Jesus is the chief shepherd. First Peter 5 and verse 4, what business did he own? Right. Right? <laughs> and it's like the the exact opposite of what people are doing. It's like, you know, well and then and then uh, when I hear you say you struggled with and you've came out of I know people that would hang on that. Uh, in fact, as you said that, I was sitting there thinking, I wonder if this person's going to listen to this podcast. And the first thing I know about this person is, ha, see, you struggle with pride. You got at least 20 years yeah. before we're talking about the eldership. One of the elders in the Bible, the name is Peter. Right. Right? <laughs> and prior to him being an elder, Jesus said to him in John 21, 15 through 17, this is after his resurrection, before he sent in heaven. When they had dined, Jesus said, Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou more me than these? And he said to him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me? He saith to him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said to him, Feed my sheep. He said unto him the third time, Simon, Son of Jonah, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love. Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. This was Peter who had just denied him, who had been called Satan by Jesus, Matthew 16, 21 through 23, who in the future is going to err and part of an apostate move that caused Barnabas to fall away and Paul had to rebuke him for it, Galatians 2, 11 through 14. One of the great things uh, that happens with somebody that's struggling with pride is to see the humility to acknowledge that. Yeah. So I'd be afraid if you were sitting there going, oh no, I'm qualified now. If my children were faithful, I'm ready to be an elder. <laughs> Goodness. <Right? laughs> Whoa. Yeah. But, but I know people that would be like that, you know? Yeah. And, and there's a reason the word elder suggests what? There's physical, spiritual, mental maturity. Right. It's not, it's not for a youthful person, right? right. Um, I think that about that, like you, you just said, somebody who acknowledges it. And, you know... To speak on how I handle pride and handle the knowledge of that being something that I contend with is just the same way that a alcoholic handles that and the same way a fornicator handles that. You know, they, they're going to do things. They're going to put things in place to prevent themselves from being tempted. Um, one of the ways that I find myself doing that often in discussions with namely people of the world um, is I qualify, you know, just like Paul and Barnabas did. Hey, we're just men. Hey, the power here is the gospel. The knowledge, the wisdom that I'm telling you isn't mine, right? It's Christ. It's the word of God. It's it's that. It's the living word. Um, and that's what I do when I teach people who don't know me, you know. And, you know, among brethren, it's different. But among um, people of the world, it's important. Um, so those are things that I do to stem that. 
you know, to prevent that. And really to keep myself just like the fornicator is going to stay as far away from a area that's going to with immodest women, with nudity and with anything like that, any situation that's going to put him there, I stay as far away from that as possible. And you do the same with this. Yeah. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Right. Right. Part of what you just said, keeping in mind, it's, it's the word of God. It's about Jesus. It's not about me. Right. To feed and protect. Just, just that idea that when Paul was meeting with the elders in Ephesus in Acts chapter 20, uh, he said in verses 28 through 31 uh, unto them, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and all the all flock which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God with the, which he purchased with his own blood. So his blood-bought church. For I know this, after my departing shall grievous wolves enter among you, not sparing the flock. The big challenge also, of your own self shall men arise. Hopefully, we've done all that we can here in El Paso for yeah. that happening. Speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone day and night with tears. So feed and protect. That's a service that, that is to be done. And, of course, that's part of every Christian. We, by love, are to serve one another. Galatians 5 right. and verse 13. So all, all of that certainly is fitting. Uh, when you think about, and, and this is not in the context of elders, but Jesus, when he saw the multitudes in Matthew nine thirty six, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted, were scattered ab- abroad as sheep having no shepherd. See the difference, and I've tried to explain this to people in the past. Remember, we had people that were in this congregation at one point that wanted me to act as an elder. Yes. And I kept telling them, that's not my role. I don't have that authority. (laughs) I'm not qualified to lead in such a way. My job is to preach the word, 2 Timothy 4.2, to teach and exhort with all authority, Titus 2.15, not to shepherd. There's a big difference between preaching the word and then guiding people. And that desire that you have, that you you want, yes, part of it is teaching, but it's a different type of teaching. Uh, It's not what I focus on, you know, you and I have talked about this uh, at length in, in private conversations. Ideally, a congregation would have elders, uh, and of course, it always has to be a plurality, so there's always a balance. It's not one man and, you know, overseeing the congregation. Sure. But it, ideally, the evangelist would be spending more time teaching the lost, and the elders would be focusing on the needs from within mm-hmm. right and I, I i remember you know a, a lot of what i spend my time thinking about and meditating in um and I, I remember the one of the lessons that i had taught here um about what i've learned from my sins and the ultimate goal it's like when i look out when i'm sitting there on a sunday and every day of the week obviously but in a sunday and I, all of my brethren are there and I look out, it's like, these are people that I care about, I love, and that I want to spend the rest of eternity with. And at the very least, I want to see, I want to make sure that they get there. You know, and like you said, you're, the, that difference, because when I, the balance here, obviously, when I look at the world, I have that background knowledge of, hey, there's only so much that I can do. You know, and it's the same for people in the congregation as well, but... Um, when you look out at the world, you know, there's been thinking about my interactions with my coworkers, 
you know, there's only so much that I can do. And there has to be a desire there. If they're not even like half 90% of, of the time that I can think of, I've never, it's never even come up about what's right and what's wrong because they don't care, you know? Um, so that difference between an evangelist and, uh, an elder in the sense of, well, when I'm around my brethren, that's a whole different story, you know, and, and that care there, like my focus isn't on the lost my, even though of course I care about them to an, you know, to the, to an extent I want to see the whole world saved just like God does. Um, but my, my real focus and my drive is on the people who are already here and how to keep them here. Yeah. You know, Paul said, my, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Romans 10, he's talking about his brethren in the flesh there, yeah. right? Cause he was of the tribe of Benjamin and he was an Israelite. And when you want people to be saved, yeah, you can teach them the gospel. But then once they obey the gospel, here, here, here's what, where, where I find myself just running into a wall all of the time. I know that there are needs within the congregation, but I'm limited in how I can address them. Right. Uh, and it's like I can teach and teach and teach and teach, but I can't make you listen. <laughs> you know, yeah. and elders have the authority. You know, every time I try to implement something that will help the brethren grow, it's bring it before the congregation, make sure everybody's in agreement. Elders have the authority to say, this is what we need to do. And this is what we need to do as a congregation to go forward. And the experience and and the knowledge of the past, you know, you're going to be able to look back on people that have fallen away. And you're going to be able to think, you know, what could we have done if there was an eldership in place at the time to prevent that from going down this particular road because as an evangelist i can stop false doctrine from being taught and i can deal with sin Mm -hmm. but i can't stand before the congregation and say as the elders we've decided that you know this is going to be handled this way or we're going to meet this long about this or we're going to do this so forth and so on and that limits the effectiveness of teaching. You know, I, I long to work under an eldership uh, to where I don't have to try to figure out how to work things within the realm of my work to try to benefit the brethren when I'm, I can see it's not doing any different. It's, it's Nothing's changed. Nothing, yeah. Nothing's going on. So. Yeah, I think through that... Um... I mean, the balance there, obviously, with, yeah, you don't have the authority and an eldership would to do certain things. But having that wisdom and that knowledge to balance that out and not just go to an extreme, obviously. Um, But no, yeah, that's that that separation in authority. I mean, like and you mentioned, um, I don't remember if we brought it up yet, but uh, how you don't have the desire to be an elder. Right. Right. And how there's that separation you don't have the authority when people assume you know incorrectly that however they get there that you're oh yeah you're you're a and i'm using air quotes here a leader of the congregation because you're an evangelist and you're you have you have knowledge um and you do have authority as an evangelist for certain things um but they just assume this and you're you're probably sitting back like i don't even want that authority (laughs) 
not even close yeah right it's like i not even that you have it or don't have it but no stay away (laughs) yeah if i were working under qualified elders and they came to me and said hey listen uh we want to take over all the teaching responsibilities in the assembly okay yeah (laughs) and then you focus on converting the lost because then that becomes your your sole focus which is is yeah (laughs) one of the primary reasons i am an evangelist (laughs) right you know from knowing me, you know, outside of the public domain, that I'm constantly trying to figure out how to reach lost souls. Yeah. Well, once I get you in Christ, yeah, I want to, Matthew 28, 20, teaching them to observe all things, what's our command you, lo, I'm with you. I know the continuation of the teaching process, but I very gladly hand that over to elders and say, hey, you know, got them to you you know, take my baby, <laughs> run with it, you know, yeah. uh, and, 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 and I'd love to be uh, occupied, you know, 50 hours a week in Bible studies with people who are outside the body. Of course, right now, we both know there's quite a drought on interest in the gospel. Yeah. Uh, and if I were under elders right now, I'd probably be saying, you know, if they said, Hey, we want, I'm like, okay, well, I'm gonna take my podcast to four days a week <laughs> or, or something. You know, I'd be finding a way to do the work of an evangelist going out and hitting doors isn't working so i'd be trying to figure out uh some other way yeah but i long for that so let let since you kind of uh brought up that point uh the hardest qualifications well for me and and i'll just kick this off with this desire like i don't people don't even talk about that as a qualification very often but if a man desire the off it's like i have no desire i have never had the desire uh, to be an elder, uh, I, in fact, even even in the uh, the realm of uh, business, prior to being an evangelist, I managed large groups of people, and I didn't enjoy it. Uh, number one, my personality is very much too difficult because I expect more out of people than they're even capable of. <laughs> Right. You, you know, when I was a manager, man, I was hard nosed. You know, I mean, to, to, in today's world, no way. Prob- probably whatever company I'd be managing would probably get sued, right? <laughs> because I, I, you know, I, I don't understand why you're not here 15 minutes early. I don't understand why you're not working twice as fast. I don't, you know, because that's me. Well, I understand that, and I understood that. Uh, in the past as well, not as well as I do today. I was younger then. Sure. I mean, I was managing at 20 years old. I was managing people in their 50s. And yeah, we were hitting heads. You yeah. know, I mean, it's like I'm telling them, hey, work harder. And they're like, you know, I'm tired. And I'm like, what do you mean you're tired? <laughs> Suck <laughs> Did it you up. sleep last night? Yeah. Suck it up, buttercup. Yeah. <laughs> you know, drop and give me 20. <laughs> <laughs> get that blood pumping. <laughs> it's like, m- move on. Get 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 on with your... So, no, it's no desire for me. I hated it. Uh, I hated it because um, I-, I also am a perfectionist. And, and I was needing other people to do their job right for mine to succeed and what I ended up doing a lot of the time it, especially like I was managing a Firestone and then a good year after that and a lot of times I was stepping in doing their jobs you know you're not you're not knocking out these tires fast enough I'm stepping in you know I'm, I'm wearing a white shirt I'd come home filthy yeah I'd come home filthy just about every day <laughs> Katrina would just laugh you know were you back back out in the shop I wasn't supposed to be in the shop they weren't moving fast enough <laughs> You know, so I know that about myself. That is one of the reasons. The other is is faithful children. For me, um, I have a son who was faithful for you know 
years into his adulthood, yes, but he ended up falling away. Uh, so uh, having faithful children is very difficult because you can't control somebody else. And we raised him. Uh, when I look back, there's nothing differently that I could have done. And of course, you knew my family. I did. Um, uh-huh. I, I don't think anybody could point out to me anything that I could have done uh, differently. Uh, for him, it was uh, lust after females uh, and the sexual desires that uh, caused him to ultimately fall away after his wife left him and uh, all of that. But I don't know what else to do in that regard. So those two qualifications are the challenge and of course having a mentally retarded daughter, even if uh, I desired and even if uh, you know I didn't have a son that had fallen away or even if he was restored at some point, that became part of the discussion. You know, well, he came back, you know, da, da, I still have no desire. So for what do you, for you, what are the harder qualifications? For me, um, I mean, I think inherently, like you brought up, having your children in subjection, um, having your children being faithful to the Lord. I think really that is, regardless of who we're talking about, the most difficult qualification, aside from the prerequisite of do you even want it? Um, Just because, like you said, you don't have control over that. Um, But for me, um, getting past that, because my kids are, my eldest son is five and a half years old. Uh, It's easy to say I have a long way to go (laughs) before my kids even grasp like truly grasp the concept of sin and the love of God and things you know we're teaching our kids obviously but there's a growth process there and I am very for lack of a better way to put it immature when it comes to actually being that kind of parent because I just haven't you know I, I you know being around you um, as much as I have yeah I'm, I see it um, I know what it I know what it's like but I don't know what it's like so I- ignoring sure. that right um, for me the hardest thing to that's going to be a qualifier for me is um, not being a novice. Um, I think about, you know, we, we referenced First uh, Peter 5 earlier saying we get to it. So let's go ahead and do that. First um, Peter 5, uh, verse, starting in verse 1, um, Peter, of course, being an elder, um, says, uh, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder, and a witness of the suffering of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you. Take the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being ensamples to the flock. You know, just using that that example here, feeding the flock of God. Um, you know, if I was an elder today, um let's just use feeding the flock of god so then you be a member of the congregation here so um when it comes down to okay brian well here's a cheeseburger here's a steak heavily seasoned and here's all this stuff you know you have you take medication for high blood pressure so i can feed you all i want but if i'm not feeding you the right thing i'm gonna kill you (laughs) right just using that analogy not being a novice being able to know when to use the scriptures what being able to look at my flock look at my sheep and know okay what do they need and then giving it to them in a correct dose and you know minded and then knowing when and when not to crack a whip you know knowing when and when not to to prune to do to do things like that that's to me the hardest qualification well and it's good that you say that but in 20 years 25 years you won't be saying that you you, you will have the maturity 
after especially you know god's wisdom is is just amazing uh, having raised three children into adulthood i so much more understand mm-hmm. uh god as a father and the pain that he goes through when, when when you read scriptures like genesis 6 that he was grieved uh with them or they grieve his holy spirit as isaiah uh pointed out all the emotions that god goes through as the father i i Always knew the scripture. No, not always, but for a long time knew the scriptures, quoted them, preached them. Now, boy, do I understand. <laughs> yeah. and, and then when, when, when one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection, I fully understand that. Even though the words have always been there. Yeah. Well, once you raise your children, I mean, you know, there's, there's one point where my eldest, um, he, where he thought he would buck my authority. And <laughs> if you know that, if you know Brian, you know that that is the most unwise decision you can make in a household. <laughs> so, so I put him in his place. Yeah, and 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 it's like that ability to establish authority. All of that comes with those moments you have as a parent, where your son and or, or daughter in their teenage years are going to test. And you're going to establish that authority. And you're going to know that in those critical moments, you either gained the respect of your child or you lost the respect of your child. My son who has fallen away, I assure you, still respects me. And I haven't talked to him in years, but I'm sure that's not going to go away. Uh, because I brought him up a certain type of way. And when you get that, when you gain that, as you're older then all of that fear will go away. And you'll be able to tell people. Like when you're sitting down as an elder and you're counseling members of the congregation, you're going to be able to say, in my experience. Yeah, right. I might have 50 examples of how of how I've dealt with this or seen it or whatever over the last... Just, just think about this without going into great detail. Uh, but but just as a, as a brief point, right? Uh, in the past, you thought... We ought to spend as much time as possible going to our brethren, spending time trying to talk to them when there's a problem of division, mm-hmm. right? And we ought to have witnesses there, and we ought to do all this, and we ought to go through all that process. Have you learned that differently? Yes. Definitely. Through what? Through experience. We saw what a division between one family and the rest of the congregation turned into three families and the rest of the congregation because of that open discussion, because of putting people in positions where they're going to get conflicted because of their lack of understanding, their weak conscience, so on and so forth. And see, in that moment, I did all that I could do as an evangelist. Yeah. An eldership could have stepped in. Shut it down. And shut it down. I didn't have that authority. You know, so all I could do is meet it with the scriptures and take it on as a, a point of sin. But I had no authority to say, look, this is over. Um, unless you repent, you're not welcome among the brethren. And notify everybody else. I didn't, didn't have that means. And that would have stopped. Right. And I mean, I know you'd only have authority up to a certain point in this case, but I, I, rem- I, I remember in previous conversations in that scenario where there are things, if you look back at that, you would have done differently. Mm-hmm. You know, you would have shut, sure. you would have shut the conversation down. You would have marked and withdrew from somebody there. Yes. Right. And not let it continue. But I still would have had to wait till Sunday. Yeah. 
Right. Yeah. 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 And and that that's the difference. You know, one of the differences. But yes, and that's that is my point. I learned from that experience. Right. I hadn't been through uh, an experience of division like that. Like that. Mm-hmm. And, and you know. I've been a Christian since 1990, so I hadn't been in that experience, you know, all those years. So experiencing that, I learned something. Well, you learned something. All the negative, all the good, all the things that you live through are going to make you not be a novice. So you'll be able to to appropriately handle that. And God's wisdom, a plurality of men, you know, whoever are elders with you, not just your experience. But you guys are going to be communicating. Mm-hmm. You know, this situation happens, uh, and it's not a private sin against you, but it's a sin or whatever. Needs, you're going to be talking to the other elder. Mm-hmm. You guys are going to be operating one, two, or two, three, four of you, however many, are going to be operating together. So you're going to have your collective experience. You're not going to have to just focus on what do I know. It's going to be what do we know. Yeah. Yeah, and... I think about some of the the men who who at the time I'd, right now ignoring the desire and everything else you know in 30 years when we're having these conversations um and of course all of that changing between them but just to say that it's like we're all vastly different from one another in a lot of areas so yes. the the ability to have all of those different skill sets ways of thinking of course all grounded on, with the scriptures um, but it's it's great. It's crazy to think about. Sure. If if you and some of the other young men that we have all wanted to be elders in 25 years, yeah, you have a grasp. I mean, you know, we have three men right now that have a plurality of children and yeah. you and Bill and Paul. And if you put all that together, and I know Paul doesn't have the desire, yeah. Bill doesn't have the desire. You know what might be funny, bro? And that might change. And you might change. Yeah, <laughs> and, exactly. In yeah. 25 years, you might be like, you know what, Brian? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I, I, yeah. You don't see it now. Yeah, but, of course. But yeah, and, and they don't see it now, yeah. right? Uh, but I, well, I'm doing what I can to help all, all of you consider uh, the future. And uh, of course... The way the world is right now, I think the most important thing are elders, even above evangelists, uh, because where is there to go to preach where people are saying, I, I, I want it, you know, right. whereas there needs to be a place that will continue. And that continuation of a faithful congregation is going to be more dependent on elders than it's going to be on evangelists. Yeah. And and anyway, a lot there. Yeah. And I just thinking through the the different skill sets right like i know myself i have very very little experience with being in false doctrine and dealing with false doctrine right but then i think about bill like i know we said we don't it doesn't currently have a desire or anything like that but it could change he and even if i was an elder that would be someone i'd lean on as an elder because i don't have that i'm going to go to my brother anyway but um it's like i mean him brandon other other members who were in false doctrine as a quote-unquote christian and they came out of it mm-hmm. um you know it's yeah even if a man's not an elder right you know, yeah. if you can glean wisdom and sure how, how do we handle this? hey these people want to be members of the congregation they've come from here what do you know mm-hmm. you know all those yeah. type of of things That's great so are there any fears do you have any fears when you look forward and you think about uh you know you said the challenging qualifications are children and not being a novice how about we parlay that into any fears 
Yeah, I know um, when you had sent me that question to prepare for in this podcast, um, you had referenced Hebrews 13, 17. So I'm going to read that real quick. That's the scariest one for me. It is. Uh, so <laughs> Hebrews 13, 17, obey them that have rule over you, submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable to you. That one I, I thought a lot about. And I think this just comes with my personality. Um you said that one's the scariest for you. For me, it's not. Um, I, I, I'm the kind of person, and with the the qualifier here, I'm the kind of person that doesn't get excited about something or scared or nervous about something until it's right in front of me. So with that qualifier there, my my largest fear is not maintaining the right balance and making a decision as an elder that doesn't lead to my soul being lost, but that leads to somebody else's soul being lost. You know, I know there's always two halves to that and there's a responsibility on the individual, but as an elder, I have a lot more authority and a lot more power over that than somebody else does. Um, so for me, that's it. When I think about my brethren, like I said, lo- looking again, that analogy of looking out over my brethren on a, on the first day of the week, you know, like, like I think about Moses, I think about Paul. It's like, I'll take your place. You know, I, I would go to hell for my brethren. I would gladly take their place. So Hebrews 13, 17, again, that's one, again, that pre-qualifier of I'm the kind of person that doesn't get scared of something until it's right in front of me. Um, but that's where my mind is there. My fear is making a wrong decision and the effect it has on somebody else. Yeah, the bad part about the difference, you know, Understanding Paul's role, Moses' role. Of course, I share in that uh, as an yeah. evangelist. Uh, I know I'm the judge greater. James three one. Be not many teachers, knowing you shall receive the greater condemnation. Uh, but <laughs> but here's the difference. I have complete control. Yeah. Hebrews thirteen seventeen takes away that control. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and, and and this is where having raised a child that has fallen away. And then looking at a congregation of a plurality of personalities. And here I'm expected to shepherd these people. How am I going to shepherd? That's why it scares me, especially looking back in the Old Testament. Woe to the idle shepherd, Zechariah eleven seventeen, that leaveth the flock. The sword shall be upon his arm, upon his right eye. His arm shall clean dried up and his right eye shall be utterly darkened. I'm like, okay, God gets really, really angry yeah. at the shepherd <laughs> yeah. when the flock uh, fails and there's a balance. I mean, Jesus obviously yeah. is the chief shepherd. Judas fell away. Jesus wasn't held accountable for that. Right. I mean, none of his, none of his disciples were faithful when Jesus died. Mm-hmm. Right. So. But the reason that scares me, this this is gonna be fun. This is gonna be a fun conversation. The reason that scares me is that there are boundaries. You know, yes, authority exists for elders, but for example, if 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 you're an elder. And you're looking at a problem in a marriage. The wife is most supposed to submit to the husband, Ephesians 5 and verse 22. And verse 24 is the church is subject unto Christ, so let their wives be their own husbands and everything. So an elder, let's just say uh, the wife comes to the eldership and says, Hey, brethren, uh, my husband is doing this, this, and this, and he's not leading our family right. (laughs) <laughs> See, yeah. now, now you chuckle because 
this is where yeah this is where it's like and and you know i face this as an evangelist more times than i'd like to tell you because you're a marriage counselor and 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 and, it, and it's like <laughs> and and i've had to i've had to say hey listen uh whether or not i agree with that judgment it's a judgment and your husband is the head of your house whether he's a Christian or not, even non-Christian husbands are the head of the house. The wife's supposed to submit to First Peter three one through six, unless his decision is going to cause you to go to hell or sin. And that's such an open door. That's his it, oh. that that statement alone, right? Because yes. it, oh man, yes the the boundary there. See to me. That's why Hebrews 13, 17 is scary because yes, you have authority as an elder and you're the shepherd that is to lead the flock, but there are also doors that you can't open. That would be nice if you could, you know, if you could tell a man, hey, this job may pay more money, but it's going to take you away from your wife and your children and therefore you're not going to be the spiritual leader of your home. Don't do that. Well, you don't have that authority. Right. The most you can say is that's not wise to do that, which then brings about how to decipher the difference between wisdom that, you know, you have to, like you read earlier, the parable of the talents, Matthew 25, 14 through 30. Um, I always think things through 15 steps down the road, right? I spend a lot of time projecting where will this decision lead me, those that... Probably way too much time. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I can, I can uh, I relate to that. I couldn't figure out the word, but I, my wife probably, I think, gets annoyed because we'll talk through something, and I'm like, "Well, what about this? Well, what about this? Well, right. What about this? Well, what about this?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's like, uh, you know, like overwhelmed. I was like, "That's." I, I was just asking if I should bank this cookie. Yeah. You know, it's just like, and, and then, and then, but then other people, they're they're like, "Here's a decision," and they make it quickly. Yeah. And, and like I, I often look at that and I go, <gasps> no like, thought, no yeah, thought. Yeah. What, what, what did you just do here? Uh-huh. And then I have to step back and I have to think, this person is really not capable of fifteen step thought process. Right. Um, I'm expecting more than going back to why I said as a manager I was hard on people. <laughs> uh, I, I truly expected more out of them than they were capable of. I'd probably be better in that today. Again, that's a good thing to think about. You know, yeah. I. I know that now. I didn't know that so much as much yeah. uh, then. Uh, but Proverbs 4, 5 through 7 says, Get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, she shall preserve thee. Love her and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom and with all thy getting, get understanding. So there's instructions <laughs> what God expects. But you got to decipher the difference between the Lord's counsel that's going to stand, uh, Proverbs 19, 21, and man's counsel. And here, this man might look at you as an elder, and he might say, look, I know what's better for my home. You don't. Right. And it's it, that you're sitting there like, because you're right, he has authority over his home. Mm-hmm. You know, and unless there is something directly sinful that you can point to, there's you don't have the authority to bring anything up. And I think about, like, you, you just brought up, the as an example, a job, right? Um, that's going to take him away. I know one of the things that we often talk about here in our congregation is the that led to us changing how we what we do on Sundays is we don't spend as much time in the scriptures together, right? We don't spend a, a lot of time together. We used to have we had a Tuesday night class that turned that at one point was mandatory as the actual. When I say mandatory, that was the congregation assembling. 
and then it turned into an optional Bible study. And then now we've gotten quote unquote, gotten rid of it. You know, we moved it to Sunday to Sunday. Um, you know, as an elder, I'm going to have the authority to be like, Hey guys, we need to meet more often. Um, so obviously, you know, as doing it right, I'm going to go to all, I'm, I'm going to examine everything. I'm going to look at everybody's schedules and I'm going to, I'm going to go, but you know, that brother who can't work on a Wednesday night, but everybody else, that's the best night to meet. It's like, what are you going to do? You're going to tell him to quit his job. You're going to tell him to quit his job. You're going to put that requirement on the congregation and that individual to be there and then make a decision that, that strengthens the flock, but you lose the sheep. Yeah. Years ago. When we met Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, a couple of brethren had some conflicts. So we decided, okay, we'll move it to Sunday. Yeah. And the statements were made, everybody else, leave your schedule open on Tuesday and Thursday. Quickly, that didn't happen. Right. And man, I'm telling you what, when that happened, I told Katrina, I said, we're never going to do this again. (laughs) And and it's a shame because the spiritual strength of the congregation then was far greater than it is now. And yeah, we've made leaps and bounds knowledge-wise, but how much can you soak in on a Sunday? You know, yeah, we, we may meet the majority of us for, you know, what, four or five hours. I don't know what the total time is. And and I mean, we're studying a lot of different contexts and so forth, so on. But a sponge can only get so full, right? Right. Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday meant we saw each other. We were in each other's company, which is, to a degree, even more important than the Bible study aspect. Yeah, the edification. Yeah. Yeah. And, and see how you're doing. I mean, some of our brethren, a lot changes in a, in a week where we haven't seen uh, somebody in a week. You know, it's, it's to me, I hate it. Uh, of course, you know, I've... Tried and tried and tried and tried yeah. and tried and tried and tried and tried. I just don't have authority to do anything about it. But and but now we have so many people working different shifts. I don't know what could be done. You know, you'd have to tell multiple people. You have to quit. Your, and we have a different congregation. Right. You know, back then the majority of the congregation was older. A lot of people were retired, had free time, or they worked nine to five. What jobs are nine to five now? Right, even mine. I work eight to five, but I also I have an there's an expectation that something might happen, and I have to react to it. Yeah, and, so. and it, now we must assemble on the first day of the week, following the pattern of the scriptures, Acts twenty seven through eleven, First Corinthians sixteen one and two. We can't forsake that, Hebrews ten twenty five. But therein, elders are put in a position where, how do we feed when opportunities shrink? How do you feed the sheep when you're out there with the food and the sheep aren't there? The sheep can't be there. You know, it's like, well, what do you do? And then discerning the can't and won't. Yeah, yeah, right. And just having those discussions with people, like, like you said, okay, well, you know, this job pays me enough, you know, to to just lean on that example, right? Now I'm picking on it, but um, it's an easy one in our time to pick on. Um, Well, this job. I need it for my bills. I have this many expenses for whatever reason, and I can't trim it. It's like, well, like you said, I don't have authority to tell them, well, let's look at your budget and let's see what we can do so that you can live off a lower wage so you can get a different job. Mm-hmm. Like, whoa, that you talk about overstepping, right? <laughs> um, 
so yeah, just being able to decipher that. And that's really when I talk about my, the, the fear, that's it. That balance of what I have authority, what I would have authority to do, regardless of whether I have authority to do it or not, should I in that moment? You know, um, is that the best thing? How many, how many sheep are you going to lose when you say, Hey, if you're not here, don't come back mm-hmm. on Tuesday, on Thursday, on Wednesday, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, do you, you want to make a decision that is going to cause, cause there, there's situations where, you know, you can look when you withdraw from somebody, right. And you say, well, you're delivering them to Satan. They've been with, they, at, at, depending on the example we're talking about, they've been with Satan for the last year yeah. and it's just now becoming public to need to be dealt with. Mm-hmm. But in those cases, there's somebody who's, who could be teetering, who could be on the cusp. You don't know if they're lost or not. Because they've been in the assembly. Yeah. They've put forth the outward appearance. And that's one of the challenges of only assembling once a week uh, as a congregation and, and yes, we, you know, a lot of the brethren here spend, spend time social time mm-hmm. outside the assembly, but there's, we're not all together. Right. You know, there's and, brethren I know, I know way more about than others. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, one of the disappointing things that happens along the thought process that we're currently talking about is when you learn that some of your brethren aren't wise. You know, because a wise man will hear, understand, uh, and attain to wise counsels. Proverbs 1 and verse 5. And and when you're sitting there and you're trying to help somebody, all of a sudden you realize they're not getting it. It's not they won't, it's they can't. Yeah. And then you get that letdown. Like, they may have Bible verse knowledge. We, we have a pretty knowledgeable congregation. Uh, you know, especially, I mean, in comparison in places I've been, all of the men here are would be more capable of being gospel preachers than the majority of the preachers in the world. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, they may not have the speaking ability, but by the far knowledge. more knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it, it's like, it, but with that knowledge doesn't mean comes wisdom. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look at Trevor, my oldest, for example, who has fallen away. As far as Bible knowledge goes, yeah, he could have went and preached the gospel anywhere. Uh, it, <laughs> Then you examine the choices he makes in his life, and you're no like, are you still 16? Yeah, yeah. that's like, whoa. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How about with handling the difference between law and liberty? That, you know, every man can be fully persuaded in his own mind, Romans 14, 5. Uh, how about that? How about as an elder trying to deal with the difference between law and liberty? I'll give you an example. Paul in 1 Corinthians 7 is an apostle, not an elder. Yeah advised that if they could contain not to marry because of the persecution that they were facing, they're going to lose wives and children, so forth, so on. Men were going to, going to be killed in, in persecution and leave their spouses without a husband, without a father. How about that? How about handling this is the wisest counsel, but you have the liberty not to take it? <laughs> because because then you see somebody you know yeah say you're you're paul in that instance teaching that lesson as an as an elder right and you were going through in 2050 something like that it's like yeah you you might you might be able to look at people like hey i i can just imagine after you quote unquote preach that lesson after you have the overall not going specific because just like Paul, I mean, he 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 tackles it very. He, I mean, he gets specific, but he tackles it very broad. Don't get married because of this, or I, I I'm counseling you not to. But it's better to marry than to burn. 
Yes. You know, so the, the, there's the two sides of the spectrum here. And then everything else is individual. Everything yes. else has to be an elder going one-on-one with, with an individual Christian who they see, like a young man. I think about the young men here, you know, Trey, right? It's like if, if he was going through that and, and he's, he's struggling with it, it's like, hey, man, I know, you know, you have, as an individual, you have to examine yourself mm-hmm. and say, can I abstain? Um, if I can't, and it's, if it gets to a point where you're choosing fornication, sinful, you know, going down a sinful path, or getting married, there's only one option there. Mm-hmm. But if you can, don't don't make don't take the liberty of oh I can get married and then run into now you're gonna sin for a whole different reason mm-hmm. because your wife's gonna get you know you're gonna go through persecution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, just taking it from that no one to be broad, no one to be blunt, and then no one to zero in and have those conversations. And that's gonna be individual. Yeah. And then the elders are gonna get together. And discuss how do we handle this situation, and and then then of course, whew, right? And then you, you, I mean, thinking about the elders, because you're going to have elders who are going to have different view, you know, because you have different experiences, you're going to have different views on liberty. You're going to have you're all going to have your own like liberties that you do, and then having that discussion and as an eldership coming to one mind before you even take it to the congregation, yes. it's like wow, yeah. like that. That's the challenges, yeah. right? I don't think. Here we go. <laughs> I think a lot of people are just. Here's qualifications of elders. I meet them. I'll be an elder. I don't think they think what's this going to look like. Yeah. Especially when a situation arises, where there's a better choice, and then forty less better choices, and. And and when you're talking about that, 40 better choices, you have 40 people in the congregation and every person, that order is completely different. Right. You know, it's just like, oh. <laughs> then you take the challenge of times of apostasy because we're clearly, as a world, in a time where there are very few faithful. And, uh, you know, you look at people like in the book of Isaiah, that they did, Isaiah 9, 13, did not turn to him that smiteth them, neither did they seek the Lord of hosts. Times of apostasy, Ezekiel 12, 1 and 2, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, thou dwellest in the midst of a rebellious house, which have eyes to see and see not, ears to hear and hear not, for they are a rebellious house. Times of apostasy, right? Now, this applies differently as an eldership, right? Because there can't be apostasy in the congregation. Right. So I'm not using that specifically because you'd obviously have to cast out the leaven, 1 Corinthians 5, uh, 1 through 13, and, and deal with that as a congregation, not just as an eldership, but yeah. uh, as a congregation uh, in its entirety. What, what I'm trying to bring about from that is just the overall society mindset because we, we bring people to Christ from the world. And the darkness of the world is getting darker. Yeah. You know, what what it was in 1980 and 1990 and 2000 and 2010 is worse in 2024. So people are being brought from the world into the body, and now you're shepherding them when they've been taught anarchy. Right. Talking about that, you know, be in subjection to your elder. No. Right, that person's their their foundation. Even if they have the desire to, it's going to take them time to yeah. get through that. Um, and I I think about that because you're talking about apostasy. 
I think about the feet. Well, okay, I won't get into that yet. But um, you're talking about apostasy, and it's like, yeah, you're trying to growth has slowed down because you're in a time of apostasy. So it, naturally, the the flock's going to get smaller. You know, pe- as people churn, as the elders pass away and move on, you're not going to get as many people to come in and replace them. And um, you know, then so your focus now has to be on maintaining that foundation maintaining that strong core as an eldership and making sure that you're as guarded from that darkness outside of those these figurative walls as you can be but then like you said then somebody comes in then there's there's then okay yeah i mean in our instance here we meet once a week so there the six days in between that they're getting bombarded by all this darkness and apostasy and then bringing it back in even somebody who is not a new a new convert you know, that has an anarchist mindset, you know, it's like you're, these people are going out and being tempted and then coming back in and struggling. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you can't grow and, and strengthen yourself if you're having to combat that constantly. So it's just trying, trying to survive. (laughs) If we had elders in this moment, I would think that they would be busy outside the assembly more than within. Yes. That they'd be getting together multiple nights a week with different people in the congregation and spending time shepherding. Uh, you would hope that would be the case because right now only being able to meet once a week, yeah, it's that would be a, yeah. a good thing uh, to go on. But, you, you know, dealing with what the world presents, times of apostasy like this, we know there's always going to be few. Uh, has been since Genesis chapter 6. You know, the Lord promised few would be saved, Matthew 7, 13, and 14. But that's a challenge. So we got about five minutes left. Ooh, okay. That's fast. We're already in an hour and one minute. <laughs> it's a good discussion. Yeah, definitely. I hope it's beneficial to people out there who maybe have not considered what, what the work of an eldership looks like uh, beyond the standpoint of here's the qualifications. Right. Man, yeah, and five minutes left. I think for me, as somebody who has the desire to be an elder, that's a long time from now, right? I'm 31. Um, anything can happen in between now and then. Like you said, we might not have an evangelist to put an eldership in place. In that's the, a whole different. That's now. a whole different discussion, right? Um, so when I think about that, I think about even if I lose the desire. Because I would say that even if in 10, 15 years, 20 years, my, my, I change um, and I no longer have the desire to be an elder anymore. I remember, I go back to conversations we've had. I know when I've, I've come and, you know, I, I, in our private conversations, I'll come to you and with a struggle from work. And I'm like, man, if I can't handle this carnally, how can I be an elder? And then you're like, like you brought up in the beginning, you know, well, I mean, Peter was a fisherman. You know, it's like, no, but I, one of the things that we came back to that just resonated with me is, okay, you don't, maybe you don't have the authority, but you can have everything else. Yes. You can have the skill set, the, the app to teach, not a novice, everything that you mm-hmm. can do so that even though you don't have the authority, you can still be that, you know, greatest among you be your servant. You can still be that, um, unprofitable, you know, obviously, finding balance but that wonderful servant to your congregation and still help your brethren get to heaven way more so than you could have otherwise you will be more frustrated though you know (laughs) take for example the the elder women are to be good examples teachers to the younger women Titus 2 through through 5 but they lack the authority to bind that 
And a lot of the younger women often over the years, I've watched this over the years, tend to listen more to the world than their older sisters in Christ. Sure. And Google might as well be God goal. God goal. <laughs> yeah. And they're not talking to their older sisters in Christ who know better and who are going to put scriptural wisdom with it. So it's frustrating for older sisters in Christ to be sitting there saying, I could help her with that, but she don't want to talk to me about it. Um, yeah, right. Like and, I think about Myra. I mean, talking about Trevor's wife. I mean, the struggles that she had to have been going through. Mm-hmm. But she she was, we found out later on, then she was talking to people of the world. She was getting advice from people the from world. the world instead yeah. of the sisters who, hey, yeah. are married to an ungodly man. Yeah. Who, who have experience with dealing with a difficult husband. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, you're right. People, they don't. They don't. And that's frustrating. And that yeah. would be, yes. You can have the wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding, the ability to lead and everything else, but not the desire or maybe not one qualification. But I'm going to tell you, man, from experience too, (laughs) it's so frustrating when you can clearly see something and you try to help your brethren see it and they just kind of look at you like, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. And it's like, all right. And that's, you just have to take it. You referenced Paul earlier when warning them night and day with tears. It's like, you'll see people like you said they're not sinning but you can see all of the negative options the negative consequences of the decisions they're about to make and that you know talking about that person who is quick to make a decision right uh, and you're sitting there like trying to warn them to the degree that you're allowed to yes and then just walk away like oh, and, and then and then lo and behold it doesn't completely crash mm-hmm. and then they look at you and say see and it's like, but, but what you just did is you just made it harder on yourself. Yeah. And, but because it didn't crash, now they really don't listen to you. Right. It's like, oh, you were wrong. It's like, no, I wasn't wrong. The scriptures are always right. And all my advice that I give people is rooted in the scriptures. Right. Scriptures are always right. You know, Psalm 37, 23, the steps of good men are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. An elder or not. You need to be using God's counsel when you're giving counsel to people, not I believe or I think, right? Uh, and, and I'm telling you, when your affections are turned away from the Lord to things of the world, even though it may be an authorized liberty, you made it harder for yourself to be saved than easier. Yet, okay, you might not have fell away. Maybe it didn't crash and burn, but you don't realize you're leaking fuel. Well, and then the fact that I mean, going back to uh, Paul and the warning that he gave about getting married and, and abstaining, um, somebody g- could have gotten married and then not had to deal with a difficult situation and just looked at Paul and been like, see, it was fine. You yeah. overreacted. You're crazy. Sure. But what was the risk yes. that you just took? That's sure. It. Maybe you're not leaking fuel. Yeah. But why did you Why did you choose to risk that? This isn't Las Vegas. We're not ga- we Don't gamble with your faith. You know, if somebody gives you wise counsel... I mean, step back and ask why. Don't don't necessarily ask, well, how does this apply to me or blah, blah, blah. But why did this brother in Christ decide to bring this to my attention, regardless of what it was, how they did it, and how I feel about it? Why did they do it? Yeah, Paul, Paul when he wraps up 1 Corinthians chapter 7, you know, he didn't write it in chapters and verses. But for our reference sake, in 1 Corinthians 7.40, He's talking about the the widow, but she is happier. She also abide after my judgment. And I think also that I have the spirit of God. It's like, <laughs> it's like this is my judgment. But listen, I have the spirit of God. So we might look at somebody and say, yeah, this is my judgment. 
But you know, I have this vast knowledge of the scriptures and experience in the world. And I'm telling you that it's not gospel, but it's the second cousin to it. <laughs> right. You still aren't going to listen. And then like you said, they look back and say, see, I got married. We've been married for 15 years. We've not faced anything. Oh, you got lucky. Yeah. You, you took a chance. You, you, you took lucky. a chance and you got lucky. Yeah. yeah. Man, I, I know as an individual, I've learned you know, it's like even when I'm I'm sitting there, regardless of why, and Brian comes to me and says, you know, and I could say this about other brethren too, so I don't want to make this about Brian, um, but I, you know, using that knowledge, you're an evangelist, you have a wealth of knowledge. When Brian comes to me and he asks me a question, sometimes I have a quick answer. You know, I'll I'll answer the question, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, hey, hey, bro, how you doing? I'm doing, I'm I'm doing good, man. And then you walk away, and it, just that idea. Why did you know? Obviously, the cordial greetings, but why did he ask me that? Why did he ask me how I'm doing? Did he see something? Did he, you know, it's like I go through that myself when a brother that I respect, care, and admire the knowledge and the scriptures and the wisdom of. It's like just being able to do that. Did something other than a cordial greeting. Yeah. Well, folks, we hope we gave you a lot to think about. I, mean, we had, I had fun. Yeah, it was great. With the discussion, and uh, we're glad that we are able to invite you in on the discussion. Of course, there's a lot of meat left on that bone. Yeah. But listen, the subject matter of being an elder, I hope you can get it from the discussion we just had, is a lot more than just here's the qualifications. And there's a lot to consider, a lot that we didn't even uh, get into and hash out in this discussion. And thankfully here in El Paso, we've got some years to work on all kinds of things for our future eldership uh, that we're working on establishing. Hope it's been beneficial to you. Anything before we wrap up that you'd like to say? No, thank you very much for the time. Um urge everybody who's listening who is not a christian to you know consider that think about it don't you know ignoring the eldership conversation but just thinking about your soul think about where you're at and what happens if jesus comes tomorrow hope you can see from this that you know we're two brothers just concerned about the scriptures doing things god's way and a beneficial way to people to help them be saved hope that you'll reach out if you've got questions thank you so much for listening till next time we'll say goodbye